Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. Every time my mouth opens these days, it seems like I date myself. This is not going to be any different on today's podcast. There is a movie I saw once called The Big Chill. I can't remember any of the actors. Uh, They were all pretty popular at the time. I can't remember that. I do remember, I believe you, the producer, the director was, I think it was Lawrence Kasdan. The name of the film, (laughs) The Big Chill. And I do remember one of the actors. His name was Kevin Costner. And why I remember him was not only because he has found his, his fame, as they say, or found himself famous uh, over the time since that movie was made. And even in regards to why I remember his name, he had a part in the film, but he was the dead guy. <laughs> And so it's kind of amazing that that's his start. And now we know him for all the movies and television programs and streaming service productions uh, that he has done since. And quite a renowned actor. But at least in that film, I'm not sure that was his first role. But in that film, he really didn't do much except lay there in a coffin. And I'm not even sure we saw his face. I think we saw mostly uh, just the mortician at the funeral home doing what morticians do, preparing him for the funeral service. And with that, the name of the movie, The Big Chill. (laughs) Now, again, I don't know that that's much of anything that any of us either would care to admit we remember. It's an old film. You'd be an older person then. Maybe you'd care to forget about that. Maybe others would see it differently if they knew that you were that old. But I think the older you get, the more imminent the reality of death. And certainly if that's the big chill, uh, then those of us who do remember that film are probably closer to it than we've ever been. Why I'm remembering that, though, is that uh, I got to thinking about that the other day. And even so, the whole process of one's life and how it comes to that end and what we could then say about that and what others will say about that, us, them, (laughs) at the funeral... Uh, whether it be a eulogy or whatever they put on your gravestone, should you even have a gravestone? Maybe it's on your urn jar. Any more these days, people are going with cremation. But I don't know. I'd like my testimony to be what they say about me today. I, I've thought about that. Who would show up at the, the actual service? Would there be many? Would there be none? Uh, what will they do? I don't suppose it matters at that point. Shouldn't to me, might to them, and I, sometimes I do think that that's all that's about is those that we leave behind. But as much as those would all be thoughts that go through mine, they were certainly not unprovoked, and it wasn't only because I was getting older and I was thinking about my eventual moment of passing or what might be called The Big Chill. They won't make a movie about me, I'm sure. And and with that, I hope I have a larger role than Kevin Costner, as with my life. 
But then I got to thinking, and again, it was not unprovoked because I think the Bible speaks to us of such things as these, but I got to thinking, well, maybe that is what it's all about. Maybe that is what we're supposed to be doing. Maybe we should be living our life, or at least our eulogy should should be what people say about our life now, and what we would speak to or desire. I have certainly more choice now than I'm going to have then, and if I lose sight of that notion that I still have some say about what my life stands for, the testimony, I get to do my own eulogy. <laughs> well, maybe, well, I don't know what I'll put on the epitaph, if it's on the earth jar or the headstone. Maybe it'll just be, he lived his life for the sake of life. Um, I don't know that that resonates so much as, as it might to me in this moment to them that might read it hereafter or after I certainly pass. But my life is really a testimony. My eulogy is surely useless. Nobody needs to be reminded or come celebrate me after I'm dead. Let's do it now. I want to go to uh, the Bible and certainly, again, none of this as much as it might seem unrelated to the word, was unprovoked because it was the Bible. Uh, John 16, that provoked these thoughts. I'm going to begin with verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither they goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they believe not on me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now, howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall shew it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, and therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall shew it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Now, Drawing some parallel, I don't know if this is necessarily Jesus' eulogy. You could question that in the sense that he really didn't have much opportunity and 
material dimension to have any sort of official surface um, is passing, at least not in the way that we do today, and though his life certainly is celebrated, and maybe his eulogy is the word. Uh, and certainly that is a testimony that we have that's preserved for us, uh, bearing witness of who Jesus was in sense of Old and New Testament, and who he is, and who he will forever be, and what we will eventually be able to, I guess, enjoy, experience in a real life dimension one day when we're reunited with him. (laughs) Not that we aren't in some ways now, but it's mostly in spirit, and should there be some evidence or testimony, again, materially, corporal, corporeal, it would be the Holy Spirit. But that's really what Jesus was speaking to. He was telling his disciples before his passing (laughs) that it really isn't about his passing. The big chill, if that means death, then Jesus was not going to have any part of that except to the extent that the devil would try to convince the disciples that he had indeed succeeded and killed Jesus. And though Jesus doesn't speak to Satan directly, or the devil directly in this passage, he does speak to the devil in context of the world. But that's all that the world would know. And even as the disciples were a little confused... And uh, I may read the remainder of this passage just to kind of emphasize that here in a moment. But when Jesus was trying to tell tell them these things, he was also telling them, no, I'm life. And you need evidence of that until we get a chance to meet again. And I'm going to give you that, but not just for the sake of my testimony, but for the sake of life in you. And if there was going to be an epitaph, if there's something on an urn or a tombstone, it should be what they put on the cross, not only in terms of the man, Jesus, but genuinely the acknowledgement that he was the Son of God. Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the King of the Hebrew people. And not only them, but us. And what would make him king? And what would then establish his kingdom? That it was not bound by death, that he overcame death and resurrection power. That's what the whole Bible is about. That's what your salvation is going to be predicated upon. When you believe in the name of Jesus, when you receive him as your Lord and Savior, he shows you the life that is within you. And as much as he hung out with the disciples and they with him, and many encountered Christ beyond the disciples directly in his life, I'm sure these were the group, his disciples, these that comprised the group, his disciples, were the ones that might best understand. But even they were a bit confused. 
But if there is a testimony, let it be now. <laughs> After you die, you can have that testimony. And even in this case, as we're speaking of Christ, example, as we're speaking with Christ of death, burial, and resurrection. And it's not this case. It is the case. <laughs> it is the, um, I guess, the establishment guess would be the word I could choose or the way I would choose to describe it. The establishment of the reality. There is no death. Except that you would believe in it. And if should you believe in it, it can kill you, but it won't kill you. It'll just cause you to spend eternity dying. Why would you want that? That's no testimony. It's not only not a testimony of life. It's a testimony of probably not the greatest of lives. So, picking it up, I'm going to read the finish of this chapter. John 16, starting with verse 17. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father, they said, Therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do you inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while and ye shall not see me? And again, a little while and ye shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and you and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing." Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall shew you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God, I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee, by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And that was through verse 33, the entirety of John 16. So Jesus 
was life. He was, as I think it was Peter declared it, he was the sole possessor of the words of life. Uh, So much so was Peter convicted at the moment that he said, and should we not go with you and follow you, we'll have no life. But Jesus brought life, but he brought life in the face of what was also, in a material dimension, an obvious reality. There was a big chill. And you didn't have to get old to see it. (laughs) And you didn't have to be around a long time to realize it. And with that, there will always be somebody who will speak of, not necessarily just your life, but they'll only speak of your life, if you're not careful, when you die. Now, I don't know that eulogies are really judgments. They probably shouldn't be. I wouldn't want somebody to judge my life upon my death. And unfortunately, because most people do have pity, if that's what that motive might be, not to do such a thing, or compassion, and maybe not for the person, but for the family, they're probably going to do maybe just the opposite. They're going to make it sound much better than it was. I don't want anybody else to speak for me. I'm not even sure I want the epitaph. I want me to speak for me. But I want me to speak for me now while I have a voice. Not while I'm dead. Uh, You can't speak from beyond the grave, except that you would speak to a resurrection power. And then the only thing that I could say is hallelujah, my Savior liveth, and thus in him I too will live. And how do I know that? I don't know that so much now. And you could wag a finger at me and say, well, you know, Dave, you have not quite yet gotten close enough to the big chill. You may not even have any words in the script. You may just be in the casket. You may be at the funeral home. The mortician may be anointing you, preparing you for your death. And somebody will have to come along behind you for the sake of your family and those that do show up for the funeral, as many or as little as might be, and just remind them of how you did the best you could. And your life stood for this and your life stood for that. But in the end... You really didn't escape it. Everybody goes the way of the worm. (laughs) You might not say that. But everybody's life comes to this point. And if there is any then consolation, it would be found in that. That we all share one thing in common. We're born and then we die. No! I'm not going to go that way. My body might go that way. That which has brought life to me might go that way in the sense that my body would quit operating. But that which has brought life to me won't go that way because my body had nothing to do with my life or my living. If I live for Jesus, if I live in Jesus, if I live out of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus bestows, God gave it to me first gave us all the Holy Spirit, but Jesus bestows, grants me again a second chance at life. I don't want my life's testimony to be after it's over. I don't want it to be a judgment or pronouncement of mortality. I don't want it to even seem like they have to contrive some sort of celebration. (laughs) I don't want to wake. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wakes. Again, 
let the dead bury the dead. The comfort in that is for the people who are left behind because at that point, they've not seen the true glory of the Lord. Even Moses couldn't see the true glory of the Lord. He was had, had to be hidden in the cleft of the rock. And what was it? Yes, it was God's pronouncement of righteousness and judgment. Show me your glory. Show me your glory, says Moses. Well, God did. But it's not in his flesh. It's not in my flesh. It wasn't in his flesh. It's not in my flesh. It's not in your flesh. It wasn't even in Jesus' flesh. Because in the end, even Jesus went to the grave. The pronouncement of judgment was in Jesus' resurrection. We are not bound to the terms of mortality. They can say, even as Jesus pointed out in this passage, but life is hell. Now, we've got to be careful saying that because we don't know what true hell would be like, and I am sure it will be far worse than anything any person, man, woman, has experienced in this life should they not come to acceptance of, as it was, to be pronounced even on the day of his crucifixion. And I thought it, think it, Kind of interesting that even as Pontius Pilate sentenced him to death, Pontius Pilate also declared him king of the Jews. And I know that was probably not in the complementary dimension that we're pronouncing him king of the Jews or as more than king of the Jews, Lord and Savior of all humankind, all persons, races, cultures, nationalities, Jesus is not only the King of the Jews, He is my Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior, King of all, King among kings. But the interesting part of that is, is that even as that was nailed to the cross with Christ, if you just looked at that, and you looked at that even as Pontius Pilate did in human interpretation, that was a kind word, possibly. (laughs) Pilate was passing on. I think he did it as a bit of a tongue-in-cheek sort of irritant to the Hebrew people because obviously they weren't in charge at the time. He was representing Rome and Caesar. But at the same time, though, we need to keep our eye upon Jesus. But can you really look upon Jesus? Can you really look upon Isaiah 52 and 53, the suffering servant? Can you really see how being joined with him? John 15 was about being grafted into the vine and being one with him so that he could then declare, if you have done this, I wish I could spend the entirety of the podcast reading all the Bible, but if you go check it out. If you had read that, or I'd read that, or if you read that, or as you might have already read it and are quite aware of it, paying all homage and due to those Bible scholars that I'm speaking to now that probably know far more than I ever could begin to know about the Word, I do know this. Jesus is saying, be one with me and you'll have life. (laughs) Be one with me and you'll know the love of God, even as he spoke of that in 16. But it's the love of God that is the anointing of life. It is what God gave us to breathe life into us. 
And it is what Jesus again bestowed upon us as with second chance or opportunity accepting Him as Lord and Savior, we live again. But I don't live after I die. I live now. But I have to look upon the face of Jesus and I have to understand the Isaiah 52, 53 suffering servant. I have to understand that the world is not going to be kind to me. Because in material dimensions, or if there's going to be any kindness, it'll be a pilot thing. It might be your eulogy. They're going to say nice things about you, but it won't be about you. It'll be about those that are left behind. It'll be some consolation. But that's not the comfort I want. I want the true comfort. I want the ashes for joy. I want my mourning to be M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, my lament for all the difficulties of material life, all the lesser degree of hell that we all have to go through as we're being transformed, transfigured, (laughs) translated, sanctified as all of this corruption that is just that, corruption as from a world point of view, It all ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It all goes back to the earth. But that's not what we're about. And that's what Jesus is telling us. He's telling us not only is he going to go away for a little while, but he'll return. But we're going to go away for a little while and we're going to return in a resurrected body. Why? Because Jesus has established once and for all The validity of that, not only did he die, not only was he buried, but he was resurrected. And they saw not only the resurrection of the material Jesus, but even so, the endowment includes the Holy Spirit. That's the anointing. Where does it come from? The love of God. Is God then love? Absolutely. Is the fruit of the Spirit love? Absolutely. John 15 speaks to us bearing fruit if we are grafted in the vine. What is the fruit? To love one another. But even so, all of that not only is life, but is the life and it's manifest most Not after we die, though there'll be that testimony. Do it now so that you might live again. Because if you don't do it now, and you see it even as Pilate did, you see it as even the Hebrew people were at the time of Pilate, (laughs) what led them, at least the hierarchy, the Sadducees and Pharisees, the power structure to crucify Christ, you're going to miss it. You're going to run from it. Look at the Isaiah 52, 53. Foretelling the prophecy of Jesus. You're not going to want to look at the life of Christ in the way that he gave his life. No man have greater love than to lay down his life for another. That's also in these passages, 15 and 16. You're going to say, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Because you're not going to understand that's the only way to eternal life. It's not that death has to be something we go through for the sake of the promise of eternal life. But death is something we have to go through so that we can prove eternal life. But if you don't have some 
proof of eternal life, it's kind of difficult to believe. And that's why I do believe Jesus had to go through it too. But we're living testimonies not only of our belief in Christ, but if we live our life as with my my, uh, eulogy today, even as Jesus was speaking to the disciples, he was just reminding them of what he showed them, what he taught them along the way. Don't celebrate me after I'm dead. (laughs) You've missed the point. Celebrate me now. Yes, we'll have a celebration. Yes, there'll be a marriage feast of the Lamb. Yes, we'll all be joined together in heaven. Yes, we will overcome the grave. Yes, there's power in the Word, living Word. There's power in the Holy Spirit. But live it now. Don't live it later. John 16, verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and he shall shew it unto you. All things the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall shew it unto you. A little while, and you shall see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. Because I go to, you shall not see me again. A little while and you shall see me. Because I go to the Father. The idea, just for the sake of ideas, or the communication, the testimony, as much as I have but mere words, if I do not example it in my life, is that there's proof. Not only is there proof in the Holy Spirit, Not only is there proof in the Holy Spirit that when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and you believe he's risen and he's resurrected, you begin to experience the Holy Spirit in that dimension that validates and confirms the reality reality of his resurrection. But it will be not only in word, it will be in that way living word. I can tell you about it now. I can share ideas and concepts. I can appeal to your intellect, your rationality. I can do the Mars Hill thing, the Apostle Paul thing. But you'll have to make the ultimate decision. But it's really not a difficult one. Because I'm going to live Christ now. I'm going to do the best I can through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't resurrect me, but I can cooperate the best I can to cooperate, to allow Jesus to do what he told me he would do. He told me through the disciples as I read that passage, but now he speaks to me from within my heart. I'm a living epistle. I'm an example of the resurrected Christ. Don't celebrate me at my funeral. Let's have fun now. Let's celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb now. Will that take anything away from the second coming of Christ? No. It just means I get to enjoy it now. And I don't have to think about hell anymore. 
I still have to go through the corruption that is of the world. I still have to be tempted of the devil because he won't go away. The world represents the devil. Mammon, you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. You can't get this through again just intellect alone. You have to have a living testimony of vital dudamus, powerful Holy Spirit testimony. But just believe. And if you don't believe for the sake of you, then at least believe for the sake of me. Or if you can't find that faith in yourself to believe, don't discount my faith. And I, I should be finding my ashes turn to joy if there is an, some sort of a anointing. If the love of God in Christ Jesus, if the power of the Holy Spirit, if God's love brings me back to life, then why would you not then at least take that in consideration? I'll go back up to one. John 16, 1. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. When? <laughs> when the time comes that Satan would try to tempt you, sift you as you're being sifted. They shall put you out of synagogues. The world is not going to automatically accept this. Because to them, they're still blind. And many will never see. But there may be some, and that's our goal, right? That's our charge. We're evangelists. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We're to testify of Christ, not only in word, but action. And what is the hallmark? It's love. Enjoy your life. They should put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And maybe I do believe in many ways he was speaking directly again to the powers that be at the time. This time, not necessarily to Rome or Caesar, but specifically to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, political as well as religious. But at the same time, I think that he was acknowledging not just for them, but for any we just need to stop thinking this foolish thinking. We need to become sober-minded. We're all going to die. Let's make the best of what we can of it what we can now. Eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, you don't have to worry too much about the morality. It's, it's a slippery slope, but it's one that you also go down quite quickly <laughs> as you fall into apostasy, the down. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. Yeah, you're going to have a eulogy to some extent. But it's going to be based in a life, not a fabrication of a life. A life that has with that just as much tangible proof of life after the body passes than it did before. And maybe in some ways even more. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. Jesus didn't speak of his death and resurrection 
because, again, they could not bear it at the time. But this is the moment where the two sides come together. The Old and New Testament meet in Christ. This is where what they have been shown, exampled, learned. The disciples, again, the primary witness, primary source, verification of not only life in life, but would then soon be, as Jesus went through that experience of death, to establish eternal life, not only for them, but for us all, they too would be primary source. Verification. Witness. Testimony. But now I go my way to him that sent me, that's the death, And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do, if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will prove, reprove the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. You could measure that in terms of the rules, the law, your conscience, the Old Testament entirely and all you'll come up with is judgment is condemnation. But I don't even know that Jesus is speaking specifically to that as much as he's speaking specifically to do you believe in death or do you believe in life? And that's why I think the real testimony of a resurrected Savior has to come down to basically, elementally, either life or death. Death or life. Choose stay who you're going to serve the world mammon God Jesus death or life if you choose life then you will be granted life but if you choose life you have to choose Jesus because he's the only one the first of many but the only one to establish resurrection. (laughs) Enoch was translated. Elijah went up as a whirlwind of fire. Well, we didn't see anything more of them. At least we have to this date in time not seen anything more of them. But we have Jesus. He has shown himself... And not only to the disciples in a resurrected body, he will come again to show the whole world in the same way, his resurrection in bodily form in a resurrected body. But even so, now we have his love, the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Again, we acknowledged that if God is love, the fruit of the Spirit is love. If you're grafted into the vine, then the fruit that you're going to bear is love. No greater love hath any man than to lay down his life for another, as would Jesus. Do this as a suffering servant. Isaiah 52, 53. Hopefully you're seeing how my, as I was kind of provoked to think these thoughts about the big chill and how all this came about. You're seeing the connecting points. But what is the Holy Spirit? He's the comforter. 
I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. He is the one, (laughs) because of Jesus, that proves to you, (laughs) when you accept Jesus, that eternal life is true. If you don't accept Jesus, you don't receive him. Why? Because you deny him. Why? Because you have the power, not only of choice, but you have the power to choose life or death. Why would you choose death? Why would that even come to you in terms of any sense of awareness? If you did not understand what really death was, it would not, in an awareness sort of way, that would allow you to live your life now. Let your testimony be now. And should there be any, again, further testimony, the testimony of love in your heart? What it really testifies to is, go back to John 15, I've not read it on the podcast, but I referenced it earlier. 26, but when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. We have to choose Jesus. I'm going to go back up in 15. Therefore, these things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 15, starting with verse 11. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye shall go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whosoever or whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father my name, he may give it you. These things I command ye, or you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I send to you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. 
they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none of other man did, they had not had sin. But now they had, they have, they But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So your life is your celebration. The anointing is as with Mary in the alabaster box. They were all upset. Mark 14. Because she was anointing Christ. But she didn't anoint him after he died. It wasn't in a funeral home. It wasn't by a mortician. There wasn't some big funeral service plan. There wasn't some big eulogy. Read. There wasn't even a tombstone. There isn't even a grave. And there's a place that they laid Jesus And on the third day, he was resurrected from as the stone was rolled away. But that, (laughs) it's empty. There's so much of the word I wish I could read to you. So you might know. But again, I have to assume, presume, that the Holy Spirit's going to give you whatever he needs to give you or what you need to receive out of what I can share with you and the mere words that I have and the time that I have and that you've done something on your own. To understand all of this. And this will just confirm it. But the grave is empty. Jesus is resurrected. That's your testimony. But that's their judgment. They've seen the the resurrected Christ. We know him. We are therein today. In absence of the material Christ. We are then the material Christ. But it wasn't that we stole it from Jesus as the devil tried to steal it from God. He gave us that power so that we could then speak in this first person sort of dimension or term to the living word that is within us and the life that we're promised and again the joy that comes with even the tribulation because the morning is just the flesh. It's just part of the transfiguration, transformation, translation, sanctification. It's part of the purification. It's just part of the journey. But we don't become fixated on that or we're going to die. We need to keep our eyes upon not only Jesus... We need to understand he speaks to us in living word conversationally through the Holy Spirit in us. That's what he was telling the disciples. This is how it's going to work. I'm going to talk to you through the Holy Spirit. Is it the same Spirit God breathed into Adam? Absolutely. The devil stole it. And in that we fell into apostasy, corruption. But Jesus came again so that we might not only have the Holy Spirit of life, not only was the word anointed of men, but we're a living anointed word now in Jesus because he tells us what to say. 
out of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Not our conscience only. The conscience, I believe, is the human dimension, the instrument in some construct sort of way that God has chosen to use to hold us to some degree of accountability and in that to, again, allow us some room for correction out of a choice, a will to be corrected rather than defiance and disobedience. We know from a guilt uh, in us that we're done wrong. But that doesn't save us. It just makes us aware of (laughs) how we're saved. It's in Jesus. But that's what we share with the world. That's what our testimony should be. Now, would anybody be judged by any of the law? Maybe thou shalt not. After all, that is when Moses was shewn the glory of God. He was hidden in the cleft of the rock. Couldn't see the entirety of it. I do believe it had to do with his own mortality. He couldn't bear it any better than the disciples could without Jesus. And hence, that's why Moses wasn't the Christ. But at the same time, though, we have the Christ and we have the Holy Spirit. But we can demonstrate Christ. And should we do that? I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to love you. Don't judge me, please. Love me. If I've chosen life, then trust that in that I've chosen Jesus and they're in life. Trust that in choosing Jesus and they're in life, I have then received the love of God. Trust that then the Holy Spirit has been given permission to finish and accomplish His work in me in the name of Jesus. But it's not just the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It's not just God speaking to me. It's Jesus talking to me and helping me as I go through life. I believe in the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are all as one. But I do believe for the sake of humanity, God has allowed himself to be divided into three parts. But it was not for the sake of the dividing that we should found salvation. Actually, I think it's probably us dividing God into three parts because that's the only way humans could possibly conceptualize who God is and how all this works. The devil has just taken liberty to try to get in between those three parts and mess us all up. But it's with integrity. The, the Trinity functions with integrity. But it's okay transactionally if you need to process that a bit for the sake of your psychology and your emotions, we could take the word of God in that Old Testament sort of way and use it as a standard. And we can then allow that to bring about some degree of conviction that would then, in some guilt turn to your conscience, lead you to a desire to understand a little more about why you're feeling so bad or why you're going through grief and mourning. But that's not the end of it. That should then only be the beginning. If the beginning of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, it's what counseling, it's like the Christian counseling, specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling is all about. The psychological aspects of that would be all about for the flesh, the humanity. But that's then the clarion call to remember everything Jesus said. And should you have not accepted him as Lord and Savior, then to do so and receive the best confirmation any of us have right now is the Holy Spirit comes to 
a point or place of awareness and you begin to listen to him. And then you begin to realize that he is one and the same with Jesus. And that all these words that Jesus spoke were sort of similar to all the words that those that were anointed of God in the Old Testament, though they were not the Christ, they spoke them as with the word has been written under that direction of the Holy Spirit and anointed. But Jesus' words were equally anointed because they aligned with those, but he just brought them to practical, pragmatic terms. That's what specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling ministry is all about. That's what confidence is all about. It's what these podcasts are all about. I don't want to celebrate your death. I'm not going to point out you're going to die, except that we would then allow God to use that to get your attention. Uh, And to remind you, not that you're actually in hell right now, but this is what it's like. Do you really want to go there or do you want to choose life? And if you should choose to rebel and be defiant and go your own way, you'll just get more of the same. And should you never accept Jesus, then you're never going to know life and your whole life then eternally will be hell. But for those of you, Marcel, who might be willing to at least consider it? And should I then do in my best to allow the Holy Spirit to be an instrument of that, a testimony, a witness of that? Though I can't preach you again the whole Bible, I can't read you the whole Bible, I can tell you what I know by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I can share my testimony, but I can more than share it. I can celebrate it now. I can demonstrate it now. Don't wait for my funeral. <laughs> Actually, don't come to my funeral. I'm not going to have one. Because I'm not going to be at the grave. I'm not going to die. And if I should die, it only would be the appearance of that in mortal terms, human terms, ashes again to ashes, dust to dust. I have to go back to the place that we all began with. God created Adam out of the dust. But my soul is risen in Jesus. And so can yours. Today. No matter what we're going through. That's the message of Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. That's what I want to share with you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the word of God. That is the anointed word of God. It brings forth life and all of a sudden your mourning is torn to joy we don't have to have a wake Mary's alabaster box Jesus has anointed us now (laughs) it's the Holy Spirit we don't have to wait till we're dead we don't have to wait till we're at the funeral home in the morgue (laughs) And certainly, I'm not going to go through the fire, that kind of fire, of a cremation. I'm not going to go the way of the worm. I'm resurrected in Jesus. And why not apply that now so that we can enjoy it now as much as later? And we can share that now with those people who are lost and miserable and sad and complicated bereavement. They can't overcome the sadness and it will be the literal death of them. Not for me. 
So, <laughs> with that in mind, I like the big chill. It was a good movie. It was enjoyable. I had a lot of great songs that still were pretty positive in the 60s. At least the ones in the film soundtrack. So, you can go get your groove on. You can watch the big chill. You can kind of appreciate... I think it was all about friendship, too, and how that endures even beyond the grave. But we've got a better testimony. We've got a, we've got a better script. We've got a better narrative. But it's not cunningly devised fables. It's not fabricated. It's the Word of God. And that's why I do the podcast. I want to share that with you and hope to inspire you. And should you need some personalized care, call us. 304-528-9220. Visit us online, covenantsonline.com. You can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. We're still on Facebook. You can go to the Facebook page and find out a little bit more about us. But you can always come back to the podcast. I guarantee, I promise you. Come hell or high water, unless God would take me home to be with the Lord. And if he does then you can be happy for me. (laughs) I'm happy right now, even if that should happen. I know it's going to be a better place. But you can always come back to the podcast next week, because I promise you, if hell doesn't come, (laughs) or high water doesn't keep me, or I don't go on to be with the Lord, uh, we're going to meet here again on the podcast at such the, as they used to say, a point of time of the podcast drop. But until then, what are you listening to? What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. And I want to wish you sincerely the blessing of God, His love, and Jesus Christ so that your joy too may be full. Until we meet again, thanks. Thanks.